Hello, welcome to the pre-snap motion podcast, podcast from Sharp Football Analysis. I am Dan Pizzuta, writer and editor at Sharp Football Analysis, joined here, as always, by the fantasy expert, Rich Rebar. Rich, how are you doing today? Dan, what's going on? You know, mid-June, uh, I actually I actually just had a, a birthday this past weekend, and, you know, we got Father's Day coming up, so this is like a hot stretch for me to, like, getting out of things to do at home. Well, there you go. Well, happy birthday. Um <laughs> It's, so how is, uh, how is the birthday going into Father's Day? Because I am a birthday right before Christmas, uh, and that is always terrible, uh, lumping the two of them together. So have you been getting now that you're a dad with the birthday? Are, the, are those two combined, or are, are you getting the, the separate? Well, at, at my age, you know, it's not like a big gift-giving thing. It's just kind of, I guess, you know, a, a hall pass to, you know, not, not have to cook or do some yard work and stuff like that. So I'll take that and you'll have yeah, fun. That is a gift. gift. That's <laughs> right, that's, right. It's a gift enough. So I have fun with the kids and, and you know, hang out. But, uh, yeah, and it, it comes at a good time because it's, like, right before the calm, before the storm, typically, typically every summer. Because, you know, once, like, 4th of July usually clears, like, we move real downhill all the way through uh, the remainder of the whole calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's nice. Hopefully there's a, there's a little break coming. I know we are working hard on, uh, on the sharp preview book. Um, a lot of content still been going up on the site. We are getting ready for the fantasy season. And what we're going to be talking about today is, um, some, uh, wide receivers and kind of how we should be looking at their production over the past couple of years and what that's going to mean for 2020, kind of how uh, we are going to be just looking at how, how we should be viewing this position going forward. We know it's a passing league right now, um, but I think wide receivers are in a really interesting spot going into the fantasy season. So right after the season, you wrote a bunch of positional recap pieces for the 2019 fantasy season. And in there, you kind of showed how the wide receiver position took a major step back um, in terms of production and a lot of things compared to that 2018 season. So uh, what went into that 2019 decline? And what do you think that can possibly tell us about 2020? Yeah, you know, we were just coming off of 2018, which was a historically the highest scoring season in NFL history, which also followed one of the lower scoring seasons in 2017 when all those QBs got hurt. Uh, you know, so there was, it, we've been really pinging regression all around here and regression is kind of an SOP like that where it, it moves pretty swiftly and in the opposite direction. Now we didn't quite have a, a drop off, but we knew scoring was going to go down last year compared to 2018 or had a really good idea. And as a, as a whole, the wide receiver position itself scored 52 fewer touchdowns than they did in 2018, um, but they also had 21 fewer than 2016, also 39 fewer than 2015. And like I said, remember 2017 was like that kind of disaster where like nobody really came out alive in any position. So last year we had just two wide receivers catch double-digit touchdown passes in 2018. That was the match, the fewest number of wideouts. Uh, have double-digit touchdowns in a season since 1990. Uh, with this past season matching the 1990 season and the 2017 season, that apocalypse in that regard. So now that low number is hitting on two of the past three seasons after you know not being you know that low in 26 NFL seasons prior to 2017. Kenny Galladay's 11 touchdowns. Uh, you know, pass catching, they were the fewest amount of touchdowns uh, to lead the league in a season since 1982, which was a strike shortened year. Uh, and then when you look at just the target rates, I mean, wide receivers are just outright targeted at a lower rate as a position. Uh, their lowest rate of league-wide targets of the past 10, season, 
10 seasons. The wide receiver uh, position collectively scored their fewest amount of overall PPR points since the 2013 season, even lower than the 2017 season. Uh, you know, we had some injuries too at the top, you know, the top 20 wideouts in terms of ADP, 11 of those guys missed time. We had a lot of multiple game injuries, you know, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Antonio Brown uh, didn't really play <laughs> at all. Uh, so we should see a little a, a little more health to kind of see the receiver uh, position bounce back, probably not to 2018 levels, um, because I just think that that was kind of a crescendo at the position, uh, but also above where the scoring apocalypse of 2017 lies. So a little bit of bounce back is, should be expected this year, but I still think we have some question marks about the position as a whole, which we'll get into. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at these numbers that you laid out, only the 56.6% of targets went to wide receivers. And as much as like back in 2016, 59.6. So that's a steady decline there. Uh, when you just look at the receiving touchdowns, it's, it's crazy how few went to uh, wide receivers uh, in, in 2019. So uh, as we look at that and we compare it to, it feels like so much of a bigger decline because of what happened in 2018, but you kind of highlighted in this article that 2018 might've been the actual outlier in terms of wide receiver production, not the fall in 2019. Um, so what's been the difference there in, in the top wide receiver scoring for recent seasons that kind of uh, made that difference happen and, and what we can take from that going forward? So top fantasy wideouts accounted for their second lowest share of wide receiver points over the past 10 seasons. We're talking wide receiver ones in fantasy. Um, given that the leading receiving scores now posted three of their four lowest rates in collective scoring after position over the past decade, with the only exception being that 2018 season, uh, there'd be more, there's probably more to say about the decline overall than just saying that the recent dip was solely due to injury and then just, you know, regression off of a really the highest scoring season in NFL history. Uh, offenses have used now uh, three or more wide receivers on 70.4% of their passing plays the past two NFL seasons. Uh, just this past season, we saw four more wideouts on the field for 500 passing plays that was up from 361 uh in 2018 the year prior uh so with more targets on the field uh, fewer alpha wide receivers across the league there's kind of a flattened curve of wide receiver scoring production that actually shows that the 2018 season may be the outlier in the wide receiver two wide receiver three production compared to the wide receiver one production then anticipating that full-blown recoil that we've kind of been hinting around so far to start to show last season wide receiver twos produced 83.3 percent of the wide receiver one output and wide receiver threes produced 70.6 percent of that wide receiver one output in 2018 those marks were 65.4 percent and 58.7 percent but those were far and away the lowest points of the past decade in that 2018 season from the same sample over the previous eight seasons prior to that 2018 season wide receiver twos were at 77.1 percent of the wide receiver one tier and 64.5 percent the wide receiver receiver three level so yeah there was a spike in uh 2019 that kind of you know recalibrated uh towards the mean talk about regression will swing like that sometimes and oscillate heavily uh, but the 2018 season is easily the largest outlier over the past decade in terms of wide receiver one scoring advantage to the field now the good part uh where we compare the wide receiver position to the running back one you know in terms of you know kind of uh replicating higher end scoring because this is where the we get the narrative that wide receiver is so much deeper than running back stances and yeah, there's actually facts to back this up. I mean, the absolute fact is that average fantasy play 
from a wide receiver is just more functional than average running back play for fantasy purposes. This also holds true on the weekly and seasonal level. So over the past decade, the, the RB2 fantasy group uh, on average has only produced 69.4% of the scoring output generated by the RB1 group in PPR formats. In each of the past four seasons, that uh, number is significantly lowered with the secondary group producing just 63.6% of the RB1 scoring a year ago. The RB2 uh, scoring and beyond is also moving in the opposite direction compared to wide receiver one output that we kind of hinted on. So compare that to the wide receiver one position uh, and, and this overall wide receiver position in totality, which we kind of, you know, laid out They're at 77% for wide receiver twos compared to wide receiver ones, 64 and percent for the wide receiver two and wide receiver three groupings of the positional on a seasonal level, uh, even prior to that 2018 season, uh, this continues to kind of move throughout the position. I mean, again, the easiest way to kind of break this down, like the too long, did it read portion is a baseline fantasy play from wide receiver is actually just by and far away more functional than average running back play uh, for fantasy purposes. Yeah, and it's so interesting. I think back in in those days, we we had those those big wide receiver ones, and those those guys were coming just coming into the league at a higher rate. They were getting used more in uh, a time when when passing wasn't happening as much. We know you know each season passing uh, more more prevalent each season. I think we've seen the spread that happened a little more. More teams are running 11 personnel. We see three receivers on the field more often. So we're just naturally seeing, I think, that, that spread of, of passing, of uh, passes going to, to different players. It's not all concentrated on, on one guy. And I think you look at these teams knowing they have to build at wide receiver and have go at least three deep. Um, and that's I think that's really been impacting in fantasy. You can look at some of these guys that, that are fantasy or, or just wide receiver three on, on certain teams. And if they're passing a lot, they're still going to be able to be like wide receiver twos in fantasy. So we just have so many more options. And when, when you think about it, there's usually three receivers on the field. There's one running back. So obviously that makes sense how there would be a little more uh, depth in, in the width there um, for how often those guys are getting the ball opposed to these running backs that we're seeing. Yeah. So, so I have some, uh, um, I have some data on that too. So just, just four wide receivers last year at 25% of their team target. Uh, that was the, the fewest over the previous decade by far. 22 wide receivers, though, had 20% of their team targets or higher, the most uh, in a year since 2016. So we kind of talked about, you know, there were some injuries to some of the top uh, ADP wide receivers this year. But this is a total that's been decreasing over the past four seasons. You know, I, I know 25% is an arbitrary number, but that's typically where lead wide receivers are, are at. 25% of team targets are higher. Uh, so, you know, over the past four seasons, it's been obviously four this past season. It was at eight, 10, and eight over the four years prior, even with some of that scoring like we talked about. But previously it was at 11, 10, 11, 13 different wide receivers per year uh, over the four years prior to that that were hitting that 25% of the share, share of team targets or more. And you kind of hit upon it like, you know, we're seeing more wide receivers in the field and we just haven't had the influx of those prototypical wide receiver one, you know, laboratory built in a lab wide receiver machines that we were seeing come in the league. Maybe we were spoiled by it because we just had, you know, the influx of the Calvin Johnson, the Julio Jones uh, types, you know, where now, you know, we're starting to see, over the past five years, the average height weight, you know, of the top 38 wide receivers selected in the uh, opening two rounds prior to this year was six foot 205. Starting to see the position, you know, lean towards more versatility, uh, you know, more spelter players that can, that can do a lot more things. And 
you know, just nine of those guys were six two uh, or taller over that span. So we're starting to see a real change in the guard of the type of physical wide receiver that's coming into the league. Now, granted, we just had AJ Brown and DK Metcalf too. So there are a couple of these guys still out there, but we're talking about the DJ Moores, the Amari Coopers, the Calvin Ridleys, this next wave of high receivers that were taken with capital. And the guys in this class, the CD Lambs, the Jerry Judys, the Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, those are all guys in that previous oak that we talked about. So we're starting to see just like a, a different build of wide receiver enter the NFL. And you kind of hit upon like the versatility that's now required uh, to play the position. That's interesting. And even with some of those guys that are coming in, those guys that we would look at as, as wide receiver ones, like they have the ability. I think we're just seeing so many good receivers coming into the NFL. Now you have a guy like CeeDee Lamb. He could be a prototypical wide receiver one. He is a great wide receiver. He's got that build. He has the ability. He's going to a team that already has Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. It's just a team that knows that they should be building in the wide receivers. They want to be at least three deep at that position. Uh, so we're just getting so many more teams there. You have like a guy like Odell Beckham. Uh, he could be a wide receiver one when he was on the Giants. He was that guy. Now he's sharing the field with Jarvis Landry. We just have so many teams now knowing they have to build and be strong at wide receiver that's how the passing offenses are being built and that's such a focus on a lot of these front offices that are just emphasizing the passing game and we're just not seeing these guys uh just have that the opportunity to and or the need really to um to be that number one guy i think we'll see like it odell beckham on the browns last year might be a bad um a bad example, but when he was with the Giants and a slant to him was the only thing that could go right for that offense, that wasn't really a good offense. Um, so it's better to have those guys for uh, an actual offense on the field to have that second wide receiver. And some guys have the third wide receiver, like the, the Michael Thomases of the world uh, just are anomalies now. Like even Julio Jones has Calvin Ridley. Um, it, we're, just, we're just seeing so many good, useful players uh, coming onto the field. So now that we have all that in mind, like wh what are we doing when we're drafting these guys now, right? So we look at the ADP fantasy drafts and so much of a large of that just kind of overlaps with what happened to last year. So are people going to look at that dip from last year and try to think that wide receiver isn't worth it anymore? Or um, it, it should we kind of realize that the, that's how the new normal for wide receiver production, especially with, with how packed some of the top rounds are with running backs. So how are we adjusting to this uh, with some of the, the costs at the position? Yeah, so we'll bring it home here, and this is probably where things get the most interesting So we're wrapping, putting everything together. You know, so, so far we've established that the wide receiver position has seen reduced usage, kind of flattened uh, output, uh, and then high-end running back points are just flat out more important than high-end wide receiver points. So they've just been – the interesting part of it all, though, is that the wide receiver position is still just far more predictable for fantasy in terms of how we – uh, as fantasy players set the market. I mean, getting an elite running back is largely a pay-to-play endeavor. We know that. Over the past decade, there have been 31, 300-point uh, PPR seasons or higher from running backs. 27 of those have come from running backs to the ADP in the top 24. 25 of those 27 seasons have come from running backs with the top 12 ADP. We are good at setting the top of the running back one market. Uh, but as also, as you, you kind of gather by those points I laid out, they're not getting guys really busting, you know, ADP outside of the RB1 market. So um, in terms of expected points per draft slot, you know, the steep decline hits on average, you know, kind of right around the RB15 spot. That entire secondary bucket of, you know, kind of mid to late RB2 options has been like the biggest, largest minefield to kind of navigate over, you know, the past decade. 
the difference in terms of average expected points from uh, running back RB15 to 24 compared to the RB3 group, which would be like 25 through 36, is only 16.4 points, you know, uh, per player. But that, you know, RB15 to 24 group carries a 66.1 points on average per player from the running backs one through 14 so there's a big gap there where that that tier of running backs actually isn't the rb2 group you should be considering the rb3 group um but we're seeing that secondary tier of running backs now just be drafted completely higher than ever before because everyone wants running back points uh you know right now the current rb15 is being selected on average at pick 30 overall but the previous decade that spot was right around pick 37 and a half overall so we're almost you were over a half round higher, you know, closing in on a full round. Um, and we kind of talked about where that cutoff is, that RB16 through 24 plus. RB24 right now is currently going eight picks higher than it has over the past decade. Uh, so, you know, that's a spot where you really want to be careful drafting from those pool of running backs. And I know we just had Aaron Jones hit from that spot last year. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, David Montgomery, Devontae Freeman, Sony Michelle, Melvin Gordon, all those guys are still in that. Those guys were not worth a squeeze last year. Uh, so, I mean, and when you look at it compared to the wider receiver position, that same, so that same mid to late running back two group has held a 54% bust rate, a player that's finished 12 slots lower than their uh, ADP in the preseason. While the running back three group has, you know, uh, busted out at just 51.1%. Uh, so a little bit lower, you know, but the difference is the success rates from those groups. That same RB2 group had just 16% of their players jump up to RB1 status, uh, while the RB3 group had 32% of their players jump up uh, to be an RB2 or better, you know, with 10% of those players jumping all the way up to RB1 output. Now, it's not much revelation to suggest it's easier for an RB3 plus selection to maintain RB3 status and outproduce their cost compared to an RB2 level because they're getting taken higher. Uh, but it does illuminate kind of, you know, the margin, you know, for failure when it's tighter from those guys while the success rates have been just as good. Uh, so I try to try to, you know, avoid that bin of backs anyways in drafts. And it's something I laid out last year. Um, but the wide receiver prediction has been predictable through ADP. The only difference is that wide receiver one versus RB1 kind of grouping. Over the past decade, uh, an R squared or correlation to wide receiver ADP to fantasy points is 0.281. So that means roughly 29% of fantasy scoring can be explained just through average draft position uh, in the preseason. Where at running back, that's 17%. Uh, and in terms of busting out, you know, running back ones only had a 34% bust rate by the same criteria we used earlier. Wide receiver ones are at 40%. But whereas running back twos had a 53% bust rate, wide receiver twos have just a 35% bust rate. Wide receiver threes just a 49% bust rate. So they're, those, those players in that area are just far more predictable and far more better bets, not only from uh, a sense of us setting ADP, but also those busting out. So it's easier to find reliable production as you kind of progressively through move, move through the draft but we're also now starting to see like I said that that questionable group of running backs with minimal resumes rising ahead of that group of wide receivers that we just laid out that we're good at pre having projectable predictability on uh, I would even include this year maybe guys even outside of that first tier you know even guys like Miles Sanders Kenyon Drake Austin Eckler at ADP and now that those guys are matching the high tier one of wide receivers in a lot of drafts I mean we're seeing guys like Kenyon Drake drafted next to 
DeAndre Hopkins now, you know, uh, and, you know, players like that, you know, guys that have, you know, built in resumes that are projectable. Um, so, I mean, this kind of all in all, as I, as I kind of bring this home here, uh, is really set up that I believe that the, the, the early approach now until we see this shift back and maybe it will towards the end of summer uh, is to go with like a strong, you know, modified zero RB or lead bell cow approach. So if I can land like two of my top 10 running backs, I will do that. But, you know, I won't force elevating that RB2 group that I just laid out those bust rates for. And if you check our rankings on the site, the top 200s, I actually have, I do have nine running backs in our top 12 compared to just three wide receivers. But then it's a dramatic shift. Uh, then in the sec, starting the second round, I have seven uh, wide receivers to four running backs, you know, with Kelsey added uh, in round two. And you look at the top 50 players overall, uh, we have at sharpfootballanalysis.com 26 wide receivers to 20 running backs. We are still wide receiver heavy over the first four, four rounds of the draft, where current industry ADP has just 21 wide receivers compared to 24 running backs. So I, I inherently know that the, that group of running backs has been a kind of a trap. So while, you know, wide receiver is deeper and flatter, uh, you know, kind of meaning the wide receiver 26 is going to produce X amount of points compared to the wide receiver one, while the running back 26 is going to have a much larger gap uh, to the RB1. We're also, like I said, just far better at setting ADP for those wide receivers than the running back position, which is why you just have to be very careful overly forcing the running back position at a spot where historically you haven't found a lot of running back spike production from, and the bust rates are much heavier. So kind of like the bullet points of this whole show, uh, just to bring it home. So if you only want to listen to 10 seconds of the show, wide receiver usage and scoring is flattened out, making the depth of the position more viable in relation to the top players, the position, uh, the opposite has held true for the running back position. It's moved in the other direction, but wide receivers are still more predictable and are better bets to match costs than running backs outside of the wide running back one levels. So get as many uh, RB ones as you can, then swerve into hammering pass catchers until you get to that RB three grouping, you know, anywhere they call it modified zero RB anchor running a practice approach, whatever you want to label it, just don't push up that secondary, you know, group of scoring uh, running backs up too greatly and force the position uh, just kind of based on everyone trying to hammer running back points right now. There we go. There's, that's a lot of information there. And, yeah, for, and even for like someone like me who might not be as uh, ingrained in this fantasy, just kind of putting some, some names to what this strategy and, and this outlook for the draft uh, comes through just kind of helps put it in your head. So uh, Pat Thornman from uh, Establish the Run put up a tweet uh, a couple of days ago uh, showing just the fourth round of one of his drafts. Uh, in that round, uh, running back 22 to 26 were taken. Also wide receiver 10 to 16 were taken in a, in a 12 team. And the, the names there are crazy when you compare Chris Carson, Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, David Montgomery and Cam Akers to the wide receivers taken in the same round, which are DJ Moore, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, and Adam Thielen. All right, so this is what we're talking about. That wide receiver group is just going to be so much more valuable for your fantasy team than the running back group is. And there's just it's so many things that Rich has laid out here uh, that, that make sense of, of why that is the case. And when you see those names put together with this strategy, it just it makes so much sense. So uh, you can uh, find all of, of Rich's work. You can find this. This article was a, a 2019 wide receiver recap. There are recaps of all positions uh, up on, on the site right now on Sharp Football Analysis. You can find those. You can find all of Rich's rankings. Uh, they're continually being updated. Uh, so you can see kind of where, where these guys are getting drafted, especially compared to um, ADP, where Rich has them ranked. And, and this strategy is going to show in those rankings. You can find all of that on the site. Uh, there's still plenty of dynasty um, content being put up on the site. 
uh, daily. So you can find all of that. There's so much content. Uh, Rich has been pounding the fantasy content uh, through the off season. We're getting ready for this uh, sharp football uh, 2020 season preview book to be coming out, which I believe you can now pre-order on the site. So you can do that. Um, please rate and review this podcast if you have not. That helps us out greatly. It helps more people uh, listen to this and we can share uh, this fantasy world as, as we get closer to the season. So uh, thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.